Today we venture deep into the dark depths of the era of the Hollywood power couple once known as Benifer. I I believe it was pronounced Benifer, like geographer. And I think it was Benifer 1.0. Wait, there were two? Yep. But we find out more today on Banquet at the Flum Dumpster. How drab, how dull critique can be It's begging and pleading for apathy The good, the bad, the in-between And nothing is everyone's cup of tea No time to waste, there's things to do Jared and Eric are happy too They'll suffer the worst of films for you So enter the strangest of banquet rooms Hello and welcome everybody Thank you Tarquin for that lovely introduction That's a great theme song we are Banquet at the Flum Dumpster. That's us, Banquet at the Flum Dumpster. And we are excited to present our masterpiece of the day. Is this, is that, is that what this is? Is this a, is this a masterpiece? I, I have high-low expectations for this. High-low? What does yes. high-low mean? Like, I have high, high expectations for this to be very low quality. Ah, I understand. Yes. I think I th- this had better not disappoint because we are going to be watching Jiggly? I believe is how it's pronounced. Is it Jiggly or Jiggly? Giggly? Jiggly? It's a mystery. We're going to find out. Uh, this is a movie that's been on our list for a while, isn't it? So long. So long. So long. Uh, uh, when we first started doing this, I think it was one of the first hundred movies we've, we put on our giant list. And we've never um, watched it. Why have we never watched it? It's over two hours. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, we like our movies to be, like, not quite at that unwatchable level where like you don't want to start watching it but once you've started watching it you want to stop watching it like that's the that's the ground we like uh, it also explains why we still haven't seen heaven's gate yes yes it does or well i've seen it but you haven't yet um yeah um we'll get to that i'm sure uh one day we're getting to jiggly jiggly giggly it is worth saying, though, that a lot of the, you know, quote-unquote bad movies that we've seen are under two hours. Like, most of them range around 90 minutes or usually less. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, I think, a good, like, a, a good bad movie director will recognize that the audience doesn't want to spend that much time <laughs> in their bad movie universe. Uh, or, or maybe they, they just you know, don't care enough. And it's kind of like, you know, the high school student reaching the, like, minimum word count on their research essay. It's just like, they're just trying to get it in. They're just trying we to get the minimum done. We know that's what David Dakota does. We know oh, that's what David Dakota does. David Dakota does the equivalent of, like, find replacing uh, <laughs> words with, like, six-word synonyms. Like, yes. find replacing because with and this is as a result of. <laughs> uh, oh, Isn't that just all of academia? Uh, no, no. Academia <laughs> discourages that. And I, at first. At, 
No, it always it discourages that more the further you go. Of course, yes. <laughs> I do say this as uh, as a uh, now PhD student, um, and I say this as somebody who has read PhD writing. <laughs> <laughs> but we are we are getting sidetracked because today we are excited for this. So what are we... Again, I want to say masterpiece. So that, that brings us to the question, what are we expecting from Geely? Okay, so this, what we know about it, is a, like, a legendary result of the Ben Affleck-J-Lo romance. When Ben Affleck and J-Lo were, were dating, or were they married, I forget, this, but they made this movie. This is history that I want our audience to be aware. I have... No, I have no familiarity with. I did yes. not a. I did not know that Ben Affleck and J Lo were dating. B. I did not know that there were disastrous results that came from that. And C. I did not know that one of those disastrous results was Geely two thousand and three. Uh, this is all news to me. So if it's news to any of you, dear listeners, uh, you are not alone. Eric, please continue. Yeah, it's. I am not going to claim myself as an expert on tabloid culture, but I believe this was a big figure in tabloid culture of their relationship was very much in the public eye, lived in the public eye, and then died in the public eye. Um, And I don't know how much this movie contributed to it, or, like, its failure contributed to it, but it was a failure. It swept the Razzies. Uh, It was a... Legendary, like one of I think it won an award for being like the worst comedy in the first twenty five years of the Razzies. Wait, which the first twenty five years? Yep, twenty five years. So wait, they, the the Razzies had like a, a worst comedy for every year, and then they had like a a a, a like a, a, a champion of champions of like yes. the worst comedies. Ever. The the single worst comedy that we have ever awarded the worst comedy to. Now, we have to keep in mind, though, that this was... I It would have been... If, he, if the Razzies were... The Razzies started in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. So it would have right. been, like, around this time. So recency bias might have played a factor to put uh... it above something like Showgirls, which I assume was in the same category... Um, though, was it a comedy? That's another question for a whole other video. That Showgirls is just a mystery. I'm not even convinced that Showgirls is a bad movie on some days. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is supposed to be, uh, from what I remember about the, the conversations that happen around Showgirls, it is considered to be, like, a matter of question whether or not it is actually bad or if it's like uh uses elements of the aesthetic of badness as a part of how it's telling its story um i i I remember hearing the anecdote that when showgirls received its razzie it was one of the the few instances where the razzie was actually accepted in person by the filmmaker and that, that that's supposed to give us a sense of, like, okay, something's going on here. 
Um, yeah, but Sandra Bullock also accepted her Razzie. Well, like, I think she was wheeling out a cart of movies for All About Steve and just tossing them into the crowd like a cheerleader throwing t-shirts. So that's how I pictured it. I wasn't there. Um, if I ever won a Razzie, I would absolutely go in and accept it. You own that shit. Oh, yeah, shit. you have to be a certain level of fame uh-huh. to win a Razzie. Uh-huh. Uh, like, people need to care enough to hate you. Yeah, and, and you know, accepting that hatred and and owning it and living it and loving it that's that 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 indicates a certain level of self-awareness that i think i would just value in a person yeah uh but i suppose that we have gone on a couple of tangents today uh i think that we may be ready to watch geely i think so too i think that we owe it to our audience to hear what we think of this, I still want to say, no, I'll say Trashterpiece. That's trash, what I'm expecting. Trashterpiece. A Trashterpiece. Yes. Okay. I'm expecting this, be, this to be a Trashterpiece. Uh, it that better is, not disappoint. That is a neologism that you have coined in this exact moment. I have never heard you say that before. No, but thinking of it, I hope that I'm able to come out of this saying that was my first trash to piece. All right. So these were our thoughts walking into Geely. Uh, we have not seen the film yet, but we are about to start. Stay tuned after this brief musical interlude and hear what we think of Geely 2003. Remain on the edge of your seat in a moment. Your hosts will return with the fruits of their suffering. Every last thought that is currently buffering too. The time has arrived, their opinions will now debut. Hey, before we start, I'm just going to deliver a quick content warning that this episode will contain discussions of ableism and homophobia and a summary of a brief scene involving some fairly explicit self-harm. So if those are not things that you feel like hearing about today, that's fine. I will not be upset if you decide to shut this podcast off. I just don't watch the movie too. Yeah. (laughs) On with the episode. And we're back. Ah, and we're back. Eric, let me paint a picture for you. Okay. The year is 2003. Mm. We are at the exact midpoint in The Sopranos' run on television. Enough that it is a substantial cultural institution. Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck looks at The Sopranos... He turns to his, what, girlfriend, Jennifer partner Lopez, of some kind. partner of some kind, Jennifer Lopez, and he says, I want to do that. Jennifer Lopez turns back to him and says, I want to make Rain Man. <laughs> and they say, we can, we can do both. And then they, you know, they secure funding and they contact a writer. They bring the writer on board, they pitch the idea to the writer, and the writer says, 
Yes. But also, I'm homophobic. <laughs> and that is the story behind how we got Geely. I could see it. I could see it, yeah. Um, this movie did kind of have a, li- a little bit of everything in terms of the what not to do of filmmaking. It's... I don't even know where to start with it. I had that prepared, and otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right in yes. with how I did not know what to expect from this movie, uh, but mobster Rain Man was not what I was expecting from this movie. Uh, this this movie got very ableist very fast. Very quickly, uh, like the, the the plot, yeah. the the basic gist of the plot. Uh, for those who uh, have the the pleasure of never encountering this movie before, uh, is that is that Ben Affleck is a mobster of some kind, a vague mobster, and not he, a very successful one. No, and he is tasked with kidnapping the brother of a. a Congressperson? District attorney. District, district attorney, attorney, that was it. Who is, who is uh, currently trying to get a conviction against Al Pacino. Yeah. His character, not the actor. Yeah, and so this, this brother who uh, um, Ben Affleck's character, Geely, is kidnapping, uh, this very, very clearly coded as an autistic man. Um, uh-huh, and yeah. And like, never said, to be clear, never said. Never said. They say but, other things about him. Oh, Other they, terms. Yes, that's... But never autistic. That's what I was about to get to. This film is very comfortable using slurs. Uh, yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the word that begins with R that is often thrown around to refer to vaguely neurodivergent people... Uh, we, we get to hear that a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. That was so much fun and not remotely uncomfortable. Um, uh, Other words that are um, thrown around very, like, comfortably are uh, derogatory terms for lesbians. Yes, well, let's, let's, let's deal with one issue at a time here. <laughs> uh Ben Affleck's character uh, towards the beginning okay. and middle of okay. the movie is like very like pretty explicit, explicitly and actively abusive towards uh, Brian, this uh, autistic man. Brian is a character who is consistently infantilized. He insists that Ben Affleck read him a bedtime story. He giggles at inappropriate moments. He is just absolutely a, a caricature of an autistic person in a Don't way. Don't forget about the time where he refers to ejaculation as his penis sneezing. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, you I did? I missed that part. and That was why he said, bless you, to his penis. At which point, Ben Affleck did a callback later after he had successfully converted... J-Lo from being a lesbian, and he said, bless you, to his penis, because it had just sneezed. Should we talk about J-Lo, then? It sounds like you want to talk about J-Lo. There's a lot to talk about with everything in this. There's so much, there's so much to unpack. 
I, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm struggling to make jokes about it. Well, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about J-Lo first, because her character is, like, very just designed as, like, this lesbian who is just a lesbian because she has had bad experiences with sex with men, but is not actually a lesbian, which, like, is does that, that exist? Is that a is, thing? I... Don't think that we're in a place, considering our own positionalities, uh, to say definitively whether or not that is a thing. If that is a thing, I'm prepared to say that that is a valid thing. Um, but I, I, I think that what we can definitively say about J-Lo's character in this film is that it's, she's kind of constructed to be uh, once again, kind of a caricature of a lesbian, but also in such a way that's very explicitly designed as a sexual fantasy for heterosexual men. Yes. Um, in like the somebody sense... who is totally, totally ready to have sex with a man, but only if it's the right man. I, I, I think... Beyond that, I ben think... Ben Affleck, that is. I, I, I think it goes beyond that, because it's it's not just that Ben Affleck is the right man. It's, it's that he, you know, was able to effectively turn her, so to speak. Yes. Um, and... Make her jump the fence, as he puts it. Yes, I have never heard that terminology before, and I really hope that it's not a thing. But they, they nope. like... Uh, yeah. They... Because they were dating in real life, they have pretty explicit sexual chemistry from the moment they're first on screen together. And that's obvious. And mm -hmm. then they have to spend the night together. And Ben Affleck is just like, hey, well, you don't have to sleep on the floor. I've got a perfectly good other half of the bed for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, then, and then he spends This is like, a very typical rom-com setup. Is that a rom-com feel... setup or is that a fanfic trope? Like Yes. <laughs> like it just feels like they were going for a rom-com setup because at that point I don't think fan fiction was where it was where it is now. Fan fiction uh, has always been a thing. Okay. Eric. Since um, the beginning that... of time. <laughs> I'm just um, saying that in 2003 this feels like you could have had that scene in a totally different movie starring Matthew McGahane, and I wouldn't have blinked an eye at it. I mean, you know what other scene could have taken place in a totally different movie? The scene that immediately follows what I was just describing, where Ben Affleck stands in the bathroom for uh, yes. two whole minutes making muscles at himself in the mirror. And talking into his weight while yeah, he phallically like shakes it. His like his dumbbell weight as, as yeah um, jeez that was surreal yeah that was you know what else was surreal. a surreal moment because we need to talk about it is so we had two scenes where a, a random other character appears for three minutes and then just <laughs> is never seen from again or even mentioned Ben Affleck's mother yeah who was specifically brought in so that you you got to see, one, that he had a mother 
who he was injecting Botox into her buttocks. Um, and mm-hmm. then she hits on J-Lo. Everybody. Did I read that scene right? I, I, I think everybody hits on J-Lo. And I think J-Lo... Even the, the, the lady who <laughs> delivered the mail hit on J-Lo in this movie. Everybody so... hits on J-Lo and J-Lo hits on everybody. Yeah. Um, Chemistry with everyone. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. No, I was, I was first mentioning the mother because it felt like just this, this moment where you felt like you were getting a whole different movie as soon as she was introduced, where there was going to be some interesting relationship with him and his mother. Mm-hmm. And then there just wasn't, and she just disappeared and was never even mentioned again. Yeah. Like, they needed a place to put Brian for a night, and he was like... Uh, I'll just leave you here with a bowl of milk and cookies rather than taking you over to my mother's house, who we already saw. That was um, milk and cookies both poured into a bowl, not a bowl of, of cookies and a glass of milk next yeah. to each other. Uh, no, for the record. cereal, cookies, and milk. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like kids eat. Yeah. Uh, because Brian was consistently infantilized throughout this yes. entire movie. And the, it the made me plot. angry. The whole plot was basically, like, they they were, again, kind of like a fan fiction trope where they had to essentially raise a child, but that child was just a fully grown autistic man. Yeah, and he doesn't experience any arc of his own in this film. He doesn't experience any development. He only exists to facilitate the character development and budding romance between these two other people who are completely irrelevant to him. Uh, he, he had what could pass as an arc in this okay. movie. Okay, actually, can I describe that part? Yes. Okay, there are uh, three, I think I counted three, genuine character moments uh, for Brian. Mm-hmm. Every other moment of him, uh, he was just like a ghastly form of ableist comic relief where he was mm-hmm. just you know existing as i'm i'm convinced that the actor was neurotypical uh oh yeah this is this is the guy um i, I recognize it he was a national treasure oh geez. um he was he was the he was the friend who they were all trying to find in the hangover i'm pretty sure yeah okay so uh it, all, every other moment in this movie with Brian consists of a neurotypical actor uh, performing autistic traits in an exaggerated and completely baffling manner, Um, except for three. And those three moments, the music swells, the, 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 the comic relief dissipates, it drips away, as Brian describes women. It, well, no, no. It's either he describes women or specifically, he describes his desire to be with women or he's next to a woman for the first time or, in his entire life. Yeah. His, his arc, if you want to call it that, consists of him wanting nothing more than to attend the Baywatch. Not to yes. watch Baywatch, the TV show, but to attend the Baywatch. 
like a screening of the show Baywatch. I, no, no, to attend the place, the Baywatch. And I see. It, it's, it's framed in a really patronizing way where yeah. Ben Affleck's character kind of looks at that and goes, that place doesn't exist, but I uh, need to kidnap this person. So he picks oh, no, up... No, no, no. We, we need to clarify. He doesn't just say, oh, that place doesn't exist. He just says, here, let me check my walkie-talkie. Oh, yeah, I was getting to that. I was getting yeah. to that. He picks, he, just up, picks up... he picks up a flashlight, talks into it as if it's a walkie-talkie, and just goes, oh, hi, is this the Baywatch? Oh, yeah, you say you're closed today? Again? Aw, oh, shuckety-doos. That's too bad. Sorry, Brian, I guess the Baywatch is closed. And if you think... Oh, that sounds like it could be funny. Imagine them playing that totally serious as if there was no... Like, there wasn't even a suggestion that they were going for something comedic. Because that's how most of this movie goes. Yeah, I'm baffled that this is considered a comedy because I did not find a single joke. Yeah, that's the thing. You, You feel like... You describe this movie and you feel like there's probably meant to be comedy here but none of the actors were told that it was going to be a comedy because <laughs> none of them overplayed their acting. None of them like leaned into the jokes, comedic delivery, nothing. I mean, to be fair, I think that uh, the actor playing Brian did overplay his bit in a way that I think was meant to be funny in just a, a really disgusting sort of way. Yeah, um, he overplayed it, and I feel like if that was all that was meant to be comedy, you could see where this film was initially set up to fail. Yeah. Because if that was the only source that they expected to have comedy from, you, you're making a movie that's going to fail. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But now we get to the scene that we've been ducking around. That let. I just wanted to, to paint a picture as well here. Um, you're in the middle of a movie where all you've gotten so far has just been basically three characters in an apartment getting to know each other. And then all of a sudden, someone comes into the door who is apparently J-Lo's ex-girlfriend, suggests This that is the part, by the way, where the content the warning The content comes warning in. comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, there, there will be uh, imminent discussions of explicit self-harm. Sorry, yeah. spoiler alert, I guess. But if you're listening to this part of the podcast, you don't care about spoilers. Yeah, you come in, she comes in, instantly proposes a threesome. <laughs> oh. Maybe even a foursome. Oh. And then says, you know what? I'm just going to kill myself. Walks into the kitchen and slits her wrists... Then they just leave her at the hospital, and the movie continues. It just keeps going. And there's no explanation for why this is there. Well, I I can tell you why that's there. Okay. That's there to get them to the hospital because they needed to steal a thumb. Yes. You could say that that was why. I, I have a different solution. It's because the writer was just like... I I think that J-Lo needs to be reminded how crazy lesbians are. That's also a possibility. 
because... I get the sense that this writer does think that lesbians are just fundamentally funny. Yes. I, and just like by because there was there were no jokes in this movie, but there were a lot of people of marginalized identities existing in a caricatured matter in a way that is played very sincerely. I'll despite say that them both being... the writer and director. I don't know if it's the same person, but both of them I think found lesbians. And autistic people, very funny. Yes. Just, it seemed like it's probably the same person. Uh, yeah. Um, I looked it up. It is the same person. It is the same writer-director? It's a writer-director and producer. Um, apparently has, has not directed anything since. So <laughs> there, there, is, there is a light at the end of this discussion. There's a happy Oh my ending. god, okay, 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 okay. I'm looking at this. What do you think the budget of this movie was, Jared? Two million and four dollars. Uh, you're very close to what they gave at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was 7.2 million, according to Wikipedia. But the budget, according to Wikipedia, I'm saying according to Wikipedia because I can't validate this. $75.6 million. What? It, yeah. I'm going to just say that again. $75.6 million. Sorry, did I miss something? Was J-Lo's character just, like, entirely CGI this whole time? <laughs> and I just didn't don't notice? No. Uh, um, that's... This movie did not look very expensive. It had, like... No. Three main actors and a bunch of extras and really cheap-looking locations. Are where did that money go? Is this like, is this like a money laundering scheme? Is that what we just watched? We could have like I, I seriously yeah did was there like a whole car chase that was cut in editing where there were tons of explosions? Like I, I know that when you look at like. A budget, the budget for a film with, like, A-list stars, which, you know, you got J-Lo, you have Ben Affleck, you got the guy from The Hangover, who I think was also in The Good Fight. I think I remember him in The Good Fight. I don't remember him. Um, but they also had Al Pacino and Christopher Al Pacino, Walken Christopher and brief Walken. cameos that never showed up again. Yeah, everybody who comes into any scene in this movie who's not one of the main three, you can count, they never show up again. If you're, like... Oh, I want to specifically watch Al Pacino's scene. You can watch one scene of this movie and you'll be done. Get in, and get out. And you'll probably be satisfied by that scene if what you're looking for is Al Pacino being Al Pacino. Yes, it's true. And if you want to see Christopher Walken in a role that he has, like, no attention to what he's doing. <laughs> like, Christopher Walken, I love when he's in a bad movie because he, he will read a script know it's bad, and still do the movie because I think that he loves it. I think he loves doing bad movies. That, that, uh, you mentioned that while we were watching it. I was just about to ask you uh, how many other movies can you think of where he's done that? Because one movie that we both love, just absolutely love, with Christopher Walken doing exactly this is Nine Lives. Yes. Uh, the movie in which, uh, in, for those who don't know, the, the cinematic... Trashed piece in which 
Uh, mm-hmm. Disgraced sexual predator Kevin Spacey gets turned into a cat. This um, was, of course, before he was outed as a sexual predator, but not before he was, of course, already yes, doing that. and it remains to be the only watchable Kevin Spacey movie that still exists. Yeah, because he's so that. thoroughly embarrassed by it that you can safely make fun of it, I think. I, I, could, one day could be difficult for first-time viewers. One day admit. we are going to make an episode about Nine Lives, and we are going to fully address the Kevin Spacey question because it is a genuine question. Yeah, um, but no, there was all there was Nine Lives. Um, I recently watched War with Grandpa, um, which not not terrible, but like you can see, he was putting no effort into that at all. Um, there was that one, uh, uh, Balls of Fury that I believe he was in. Balls of Fury? Balls of Fury, yep. Um, it was... I'm like gonna a, take your word ping- for it that that's the name of a movie? real movie. I think it was about ping pong. Jeez. Um, <laughs> you know, as you do, you're like, I gotta make a, a ping pong movie. What are you gonna call it? Balls, Balls of Fury! Yeah. yeah. Uh, um... <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, I haven't seen it. I just. I mean, we might have to now. It's terrible. We might have to because we have a theory that we need to prove that when Christopher Walken is in a movie that he recognizes is a piece of garbage, he goes hard with his cameo and he clearly, visibly loves every second of it. Yeah. Um,. And I, I think that, like, watching Christopher Walken genuinely enjoy being the, the, the cop, the, the cop cameo, yeah. uh, that, was, that, was one of the, what, that was one of the few moments in this movie that um, genuinely had me something not... Interested. interested. I feel like I was somewhat invested in what was happening on screen... And for me, it might have been the only moment. I think that there is another theme of moments that while I think they are um, weird and out of place in this movie at best, Mm -hmm. I, I find myself genuinely intrigued by. And that is, those are uh, Jennifer Lopez's two very articulate monologues. The, the one about vaginas? Well, the first one is one where... It, it's, it's the one about the eye. The one where she is, is trying to intimidate an oh, yes. obnoxious yeah, yeah, yeah. teenager, and she describes in detail this, like, martial arts move where she pulls out where she can pull out his eye and also pull out of it the part of his brain that remembers visual images. And the, the, the way that it's written is so verbose and the way that she delivers the monologue, it, it has a level of commitment to it that I found... I, I kind of, I kind of, in my notes here, I, I wrote down interesting and then crossed it out. 
I wrote down satisfying and then crossed it out. Mm-hmm. I wrote down ex- unexpected and put a question mark. It's very something. Yeah. Uh, and she does a similar thing at around the midpoint of the film. Uh, yeah. Later I want to clarify. This is while she is doing yoga doing in the dark. Doing very sexy yoga in the dark. Uh, she delivers this really uh, writerly sort of monologue about the sexual supremacy of the vagina to Ben Affleck as Ben Affleck is trying to convince her to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so weird. It's, it's, it's surreal. It's, it's the kind of scene, though, that I think if, it, if this didn't end with her, like, finally jumping the fence after seeing the way he checks his nails... Um, which was a whole, that was, that was apparently the, the, the clincher. That was it. Um, if it didn't end with that, I would take that as a much better scene because it was like an expression of why she was going to say no to him. That was the only way to get through to his head. And I, I mean, I, I think that you're giving it a little bit more credit than it's due because she, there was also an undertone of like. Uh, like, see how attracted you are to me. That's how attracted I am to other women. And I yes. feel like there's a problem underscoring that. Uh, oh, no, I wouldn't also... say that this is, belongs in a good movie, but <laughs> it would be a more interesting scene yes. if it wasn't, like, 20 minutes later completely But it also missed nullified. a very clear opportunity because yes. there, th- this was framed in the context of a debate where Ben Affleck's character is saying, don't you want to have sex with men? Aren't men so great at sex by their very nature of uh, evolution? Men are meant to be great at sex. And JLo is responding with like, no, that's not men, that's women. And I don't understand why J-Lo's comeback to that was not, yeah. okay, go have sex with a man then and come yeah. back to me and tell me how you thought of that. And, and that, that would have, that, that, again, that would have been a much better joke and it may, would have made for a much better moment. Would it have saved this entire trashter piece, to use your no. word again? Absolutely not. But would it have been a genuinely unexpected and... Uh, enjoyable moment that they walked right up to but didn't go for yeah it's like the yeah the the moment after his whole monologue because he also had a couple monologues we have mm-hmm. to be clear he had that one about how great penises were um, <laughs> and then he had a, a like I I can't help but in this current con- cultural context read that as anything but an incel monologue where he was like, <laughs> oh, I no. have to, it's, my life is so sad because I don't, I don't have any friends and now I have to go home and sleep beside this super hot lesbian who I really love and I just, I just can't get her. Uh, I just he, can't, let's, she's, let's... She's, she's just out of my reach. 
Let's clarify that he does not use the word lesbian in that context. He does use, once again, a slur. Uh, Because this movie is very comfortable with slurs, he also combines that slur with the word Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. In a way that... uh, Again, surreal. Uh, And, uh, like, I also want to clarify, right after that scene... They have sex. Right immediately after that scene where he's, like, spitting slurs in her general direction, they have a sex scene that comes basically out of nowhere in which, uh, and I wrote down, Ben Affleck's eyes look completely empty inside. Oh, I think we're going to go to what I assume is a famous quote from this movie where Jennifer Lopez lies down on the bed and goes, turkey time. <laughs> ben Affleck <laughs> looks so genuinely confused. Terrified. He looks terrified when she looks at him, spreads her legs and says, turkey time. Like, I don't understand. Like, he's probably like, what, you want me to make you a turkey? Like, what do you want from me? And then she goes, gobble, gobble. <laughs> wanted was that scene uh, from from the Mr. Bean Christmas special. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think that uh, we're just about running out of time here. So I oh, think we are. We've gone well over time. Um, yes. I, I think that I will end off by asking you, Eric, what have we learned today? I think Jennifer Lopez said it best. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> so, uh, that was, uh, that was Geely from 2003. A uh, film yep. that's pronounced Geely like really. We learned that, too. Uh, that was a thing we learned. Yes. I, I have been Jared Aronoff. You can find me on Twitter at Jared Aronoff. You can find me where you buy turkeys. Uh-huh. What has your name been? Oh, Eric Tesh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our theme song was composed and performed by the wonderful Tarquin Alexandra. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Tarquin Alexandra, and you can stream her newest EP, A Tyrant's Demise, on Spotify, Apple, Google, or any other music platform of your choice. Um... If you'd like to support our funny little podcast here, uh, you can find us on Patreon. Uh, Was there something else you wanted to say, Eric? I just want everybody to enjoy not watching this movie. Please, please don't watch Geely, even if it's pronounced like really. Like it is, I, I will say, more watchable than I was expecting but not one that you would actually want to watch. Yeah, uh, not, not recommended. We watched this movie so that you don't have to. You're welcome. Indeed. Hope you vote.
If the concept were to exist that I'm to explain, which it doesn't. In hypothetical terms, every form of art has a bucket, a container to categorize the format and style, the greats and the rotten. The podcast that you've just consumed did the work for you by scraping the bottom.